Hello and welcome back to Scarves Around the Funnel, the podcast dedicated to Heart of Midlothian Football Club. Still 37 years without dropping a point or drawing a game or losing a game against Aloha Athletic. Go on the hearts! I am Laurie Dunsire, joined once again by Mark Donaldson. How close to the bottom of the barrel are you now? <laughs> <laughs> with with openings like that, goodness. That was yeah. It's after that second half against Alaba where you're really, really struggling to commentate and add anything to proceedings. Um, yeah, I just said to you there. I used to have a, a good think about the intro, but um, these days it's five seconds before I I say we're going live. Think of whatever I can and. Um, I will go into our, our record against Aloha and some um, some debates that uh, well, I was having with um, Davy Allen, who um, runs the London Hearts website and uh, also involved with the Hearts Museum. Uh, and we'll get into that, of course, on this week's show, as well as the game that um, came before the Aloha win, which was the defeat against Dunfermline Athletic. And we'll we'll talk about a few other things on this week's show. Um, how how have you been, Mark? A good weekend. Yeah, um, did Napoli Milan on Sunday. That was a good one. Sounded like a good game. It was. Yeah. Were you allowed to talk about um, Ibrahimovic? Did you gain permission to be able to to refer <laughs> to him by his name? And yeah, it's, it's like I had a. A piece that we did for ESPN FC with Stevie Nicol when he signed, and Stevie watches a fair bit of football. I don't think he watches much Serie A. Um, obviously, Liverpool's his big love, and when he said he said it was a PR stunt when he signed, and I said I bet he gets ten goals before the end of the season, and I was laughed out of town by Stevie, and he got it wrong. And it isn't a, a it isn't a, a humble brag to say I got it right. It, it was more a never write him off. Zlatan, that is, not Stevie. <laughs> Stevie, Stevie was written off a while ago. He's, he's just great, and it's just sad towards the end that he picked up an injury. And, and while we're talking non-hearts briefly, um, I was out and about this morning, and it wasn't long ago that I got back to find out the news that Diego Maradona had sadly died at the age of 60. And then when you're going through social media, you see it was 15 years to the day we lost George Best on the same day at the age of 59. So two legends of of the game that a lot of us wouldn't have seen much of. Um, I caught a little bit of Diego Maradona. For anyone who's over the age of 50, you'll you'll remember um, certainly Maradona and his prime, but obviously George Best as well. But November the 25th, what a shitty day for losing legends. Indeed, Diego Maradona, who yeah, sadly passed away today at the time of recording, only, only just turned um, 60, I think, last month. And although he'd had many problems throughout his his life certainly very sad to to lose a legend like that of the game. There is a Hearts link to this. That he almost um, almost played at Tynecastle. Yeah, but and and there's the thing. It wasn't a case of we almost played Napoli <laughs> in the semi final. It, it was Maradona because he he was Napoli. Yeah. Doing that Napoli game at the weekend, um, their chairman and president Aurelio Di Laurentiis, very outspoken, a movie maker um, from Rome. And he was talking today in, in the aftermath of the news that Diego had passed about potentially naming the stadium, which is currently the San Paolo down in the south of Italy. Um, it, it's not sponsored or anything like that, but um, there's suggestions that they may call um, the San Paolo the Diego Maradona Stadium or something like that. Um, but yeah, we were we were a John Colhoun effort away from an away goal, which would have taken us through to a match against Napoli, a two-legged match against Napoli, and we would have seen Maradona at Tynecastle. Um, I'm just thinking of, of kind of legends of the game that, that, that have played at Tynecastle. And it was one who... Uh, there was a, a tournament in 1989, the Under-16 World Cup, which I remember going to as a 12-year-old and, and absolutely loved it. But the Portugal lineup had some absolute gems. Luis Figo, I believe, was in the squad. And he played at Tynecastle. We we beat um, Scotland, beat Portugal by a goal to nil. That would have just been something to add 
to the, the, the kind of realms of Tyne Castle's history if we had someone like Diego Maradona who'd been mm. able to, to set foot there. Um, such a shame. Indeed. We will talk um, a few things on this week's show, but um, yeah, let's get right into it. Okay, first up, Heart of Midlothian travelled for certainly their biggest test in the, the league so far this campaign to play the side who were joint top of the table, Dunfermline Athletic. And that was at East End Park on Friday night last week. And um, we'll just quickly listen back to the, the goals from that game. As Dom Thomas has it on the right, into the Hearts box, edge of the area now, left foot shot, deflected and in! And Dom Thomas gives Dunfermline the lead three minutes into the second half. It's a huge deflection on it, which takes the ball away from Craig Gordon and into the centre of the goal, wrong-footed the Hearts goalkeeper. But really from nothing there, Dom Thomas taking the ball in from the right-hand side on his left foot. It's a massive deflection. We'll see how it comes off last. I think it's Popescu takes it away from Craig Gordon. No chance for the Scotland international. And it's Dunfermline 1, Hartimid Lothian 0. Watson and Murray both forward from the back. In it comes. Headed towards goal and it's in. And Dunfermline double their lead. And it's that exact threat that we spoke about. Dom Thomas with a set piece. Ewan Murray with the finish. And Hart's now really up against it. And it's the Pars skipper, the joint top scorer, who now goes clear as top scorer with his sixth goal of the season in all competitions. Corner whipped in from the right. And that's a free header for the Pars central defender. And that is just really disappointing from a Hart's perspective. Corner whipped in by Irving, headed towards goal, and Hearts are back in it! It's Stephen Kingsley with his third of the season, and this game isn't over yet. Game on at East End Park, corner curled in, Stephen Kingsley with a towering header across the goal into the left side of the net, past a helpless Owen Fawn Williams. Dunfermline 2, Heart of Midlothian 1. Okay, so obviously the <clears throat> the end result, not what Hearts were after, a 2-1 defeat to Stevie Crawford's Dunfermline. Um, as I mentioned, probably toughest test for Hearts to date. They made cha seven changes in total from their previous game, which was against East Fife prior to the international break. And um, started with a team which <clears throat> we were told would be more of a 4-1-4-1, but really it did look like, for large parts, that... Robbie Nielsen preferred 4-2-3-1, I, I would call it myself, with Gordon and goals, Kingsley, Halkett, Popescu, Kingsley, um, Smith, Halkett, Popescu, Kingsley rather, from right to left, Lee and Halliday sitting, White and right, Freer left, Naismith in the middle of the three, and Boyce up front against Dunfermline's very well-drilled 4-5-1. Um, before the game, Mark, when you when you saw that lineup. Um, any surprises, concerns? Um, obviously, Janelli still a big miss for Hearts. Mm. Oh, I'm yet to be convinced by Elliot Freer, and the, the showing hasn't convinced me mm. yet about Elliot Freer. Um, Liam Boyce is a strange one for me because I know we'll get on to the the Alloa game shortly, but I've said it before. If he's fit, he plays. He just he needs a goal. He, he, he needs a couple. He needs what Whiten got against Rovers. But he got that goal. I know. I, I, we no, will, I know, get, I know we will you, speak I know about saying, it more. And um, you know, I know what you're saying, but but he's he's something missing right now, and I don't know what it is. Obviously, um, jet lag coming from Belfast is an issue. I had the commentary <laughs> I knew, last I knew, night. You were going to say that. That was that was very funny. Um, but now yeah, there's something. But look, you've got Boyce Naismith playing in the ten. Jamie Walker wasn't in the starting 11, came on in the second half. So, I mean, it was a game I thought we would win with that lineup, or probably a few other lineups that we could have picked. But that performance, oof, not good. Yeah, I mean, we're not going to. Obviously, the game is, um, is almost a week old now, so we're not going to dissect this one too much. But, you know, Hearts, they did have lots of the ball. They had some chances, although the opportunities were mainly coming from set plays. Um, you know, to me, it felt like Dunfermline had us fairly sussed. And 
let us have the ball, you know, in a lot of areas where we weren't really causing any problems, and they, and they, you know, they punished us when they got opportunities. You know, three minutes into the second half, and we'll talk about the goals. I think Dom Thomas deflected effort. Um, I thought he got away from Naismith a little bit too easily, and for me, it was a half-hearted attempt to block it from Popescu. I know he's keeping his hands behind his back. He doesn't want a a flailing hand to hit the ball, but I feel he could have done a bit more if he's if he's going to get in front of it, because in the end, he would have been better just staying out of the way, and Gordon's probably got a, a routine save. Um, the two goals for me are very avoidable, because I spoke about that one, and then the second one, six minutes later, this one really annoyed me, because um, I don't sit and do detailed opposition analysis. I'll, I'll, I'll read what I can, and sometimes you, when you listen to, to shows and podcasts, you hear about things. What I heard from everyone, Dunfermline's main threat is Dom Thomas whipping in good corners onto the head of Ewan Murray, which is why the um, the centre-back and the captain is their joint top scorer and now is their top scorer. Well, he was after that game. Um, so to have a corner, which is that exact combination, onto his head, free header, to me, that was just criminal to me. I, I mean, the football team itself will obviously do detailed opposition analysis and, and, and what the threats are. Um, so for them to, to allow that to happen, that, that felt very frustrating from, from my perspective. Yep. Looking at the game as a whole afterwards, I think I sent you a message saying, look, that might not be the worst thing that will happen to Hearts, mm-hmm. especially ahead of the cup final, because they know that they're limited in certain areas when they come up against a team like Celtic. But it should be the case that the opposition is limited when they play against Hearts, because Hearts should have better players. But here's where I think the issue is. I was worried in that game that Hearts didn't have much pace and didn't have the legs in the middle of the park. Yeah. That was a concern to me. I thought we were outfought yeah, uh, in the middle no of the park. Um, you you sent me a message a couple of days beforehand um, telling me about Kyle Turner because he's, he, you did your research and his father was someone I watched many times who was a nasty piece of work, Tommy Turner. Um, but his, by the way, Tommy Turner was in goal when Hearts won five nil at McDermott Park. <laughs> it's one of, I think in in nineteen ninety one. Yeah, I messaged that to you. It's one of those stats or bits of trivia that I didn't think I would get to use. But you know, if, oh, you did. Um, well, well, I didn't. No, I didn't throw it out there. But I mean, are you uh, okay? I, I would have wanted an opportunity. So you know, if the, if there'd been a red card for Turner, or if by you know if by some miracle he had to go in goals, or someone had to go in goals, you kind of throw it out there. But otherwise, it just feels like you're you know you're pushing out there for no yeah, reason. But I, I, exactly, and that, and that's a pet. Hey, it's it, it's got to be um, it's got to be either synonymous with something that's happened, or um, not not too much off on a on a tangent. I think it was Lindsay Hamilton, the St. Johnson goalkeeper at the time, got injured or something and Tommy had to go and goal. Anyway, Kyle Turner's a super little player. Yeah, he did well. He did very well. Um, And we've already seen Kevin Nisbet do well for Dunfermline and and go to to Hibernian and do well there. We've seen Lawrence Shankland um, do well at Air United and then go to Dundee United and now he's doing all right in the Premier League as well. There are, um, I think, some some players to be had in the lower leagues. I think Rangers, when they were down in the third, fourth tier, sorry, um, missed a trick when they were playing against Andy Robertson. Um, I, I don't know how he played against them, but you might see teams or players that you wouldn't normally see or you wouldn't normally send a scout to watch. And if someone has a really good game against you, that's we've spoken about it before, just stick it in the book. Kyle Turner would be one that would go into my book to keep tabs on. Yeah, and... Uh... I, I won't. I won't claim to have seen much of him myself, but he is one I've I've read um, and heard people talk about in the past when he was at Stranraer. He obviously spent a few years there and was apparently always looked technically above the level he was playing yeah. at, which was I think sec. Uh, sorry, third or fourth tier yeah, around that League time. One at the time. Yeah, yep. League One at the time. So I have heard. It's interesting. It's a funny thing. Um, I've sometimes seen players do that in one-off games and then you look them up um later or you or you you track where they go and and they and it turns out it was a one-off but yeah i think i guess that's why you have you know that's why the scouts will go and they'll see people for a period of time and they'll analyze every little bit of it um but you're right the main the big problem i thought from a heart's perspective was i i think this is what a lot of people 
um, found concerning was it did remind me of a lot of the issues during Levine's tenure where we had lots of the ball against teams, um, lots of sideway passes, but we didn't stretch the play out wide and we just didn't have enough pace or enough guile, enough creativity, enough spark in the middle to really open teams up. Um, So it was concerning, but, you know, it it was one game. Um, It it did feel in some ways like it had been coming. We, We hadn't really... I didn't think got going in a lot of games. So it was maybe good that we received that possibly a wake-up call, even that early stage. Yeah. Um, obviously, Stephen Kingsley got one back. Um, good header, actually, from an Andy Irving corner. Another one to highlight, you know, you've mentioned Boyce, and I think we'll move on to Boyce a little bit more after the Aloha, um kind of analysis. Stephen Naismith, again, for me, <clears throat> the opportunity he had maybe summed up that it's, it does, still doesn't seem to be quite working for him. I thought he did well against Hibs, but there's still too many games where he doesn't seem to be very effective. And mm. I know he's not got the the pace he used to, but he just seemed to, to lack, I guess, um, any conviction with that final decision. You know, I thought he would either keep trying to take it on, and if he felt he couldn't get away from the defender, have a drive, you know, towards goal, maybe try and catch the keeper out into the bottom corner. But in the end. Just try to roll it in with the when the fullback had already got there. It just seemed like he he hesitated, which you don't expect from Stephen Naismith. And no, he's another that you know. I think we want to have up to speed and firing because you know Dunfermline have shown that we can't take this league for granted. Albeit you know both of us have have spoken with a lot of confidence, um, but they've certainly shown that they're they're not going to be a side that we can discount as someone who could easily. Um, challenge us and, and cause us problems if we don't perform like we should and that's the thing if my team gets beaten by a team that have played much better on the day uh, and it's simply an ability thing there's nothing I can do about that it's just a hands up they were better than us if my mm-hmm. team's out fought I'm pissed off Yeah. and I, I there, were, there was an element of why are they apparently by the look of things seemingly hungrier than us because that's the perception um you can look at players and who's better than who. Hearts are better than, than any other team in that league, but that doesn't guarantee success. Yeah, because uh, we, be we, the, we weren't the 12th, we weren't the worst team in the Premiership when you talk about that on paper last no, but season, we, but we ended we, there, albeit the, the, not the at the possession, end. Yeah, the possession thing's an interesting one, because it did, that's a good point about reminding you of last year, because... <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> No, it's the phrase that we could still be playing and and probably wouldn't have equalised in some games. It didn't feel like that against Dunfermline. Um, Yeah, but we we did have a lot of of possession without really doing anything. Mm -hmm. I always think, um, I think I've seen it done once or twice before. As a commentator, we get all the stats that come up and pop up on the screen and possession is one that is usually comes up maybe once a half. I always think it would be better if it was quality of possession. Because if you've got Halkett to Popescu, to Kingsley, back to Popescu, across to Michael Smith, little short ball forward to Ollie Lee, you've maybe got 45 seconds worth of possession there for Hearts. We've done absolutely nothing with it. I think it's so, possession in like opposition half or the final yeah, third is... I mean, key key yeah. possession would, would be key. Um, I mean, without... Looking at I, without looking at individuals, I'm not sure this formation is 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 something that is going to be something that you, that's, you stick with every single week. Whether it needs to be horses for courses, whether three at the back might be an option at times. Three at the back is an interesting one because you don't need three at the back when you're going up against most of these teams in in the championship. We're probably going to play only one up front, um, but you could have Peter Haring as one of your three at the back. And I think that would work. And that would then give you that hybrid player. Um, so you've got your two fullbacks that become wingbacks. Because I think Michael Smith and Stephen King- Kingsley, because of the possession that Hearts are likely to have this season, they're going to see more of the ball. I think that might be a better option. I mean, we talk a lot. and fo- Football has moved on. It's from the old 4-4-2, and then the defensive midfielder came in. We're now in a situation where there isn't such a thing as what formation did you play? It's what formation were you when you've got the ball and what position yeah. were you when you when you haven't got the ball. So I just 
Elliot Freer for me needs something. Yeah, he needs confidence. He needs a goal or something. Dropped. Well, if I was being (laughs) cruel, yeah. I mean, as I said, he's not a starter. If everyone's fit, we're really missing Janelli. I'm yet to be convinced by Jordan Roberts. Craig Whiten's not a right-hand side player coming forward. Rossini prefers to play through the middle. But we have we have too much of certain positions and not enough of the other positions. Yeah, I mean, that's a big problem because with Janelli out, obviously we started with Whiten on the right, who is a centre-forward. Um, so he's out of position. We started with Freed on the left, <clears throat> who hasn't convinced. Roberts hasn't convinced was... Uh, an option on the bench. Walker's on the bench. Walker isn't a winger. You know, he's he can play off that. So he can play as a what an inside forward. He's more of an attacking midfielder, number ten though these days. So we do lack quality natural width still, which is disappointing because we talk about we've signed these players at the start of the season. You know, because we were excited, we signed Freer, signed Roberts. We've got options, but at the moment they're not convincing. Um, it's a squad lorry that will get us out of that league. I'm, it should. No doubt about that it, it what, should, whatsoever. But, but everyone said that about Dundee United the year prior well, to them I, going I, up. I, I get that. I, I get that. It's a squad I think will get us out of that league, but it's not a squad that will deliver your prediction of a few weeks ago um, in which we won most of the games and drew the rest and maybe lost one. Well, this isn't going to be that type of league. I know, I know. It was all the, it was the bravado and the overconfidence. It was, yeah. Anyway, I agree that Kingsley and Smith. I was it's one thing I mentioned after the game to a few people. I I didn't. I thought we should have focused on trying to use them more and stretch the game using their ability to get up and down the park. They both have good delivery on the on the whole. They both shown that they've liked to get forward and and they can finish as well and get goals. So, but delivery for who? That's yeah. another issue. Well, that's what I mean. Why why not have White and no. why not have White and Boyce in the middle and have the two fullbacks? Supplying balls uh-huh. into the box over, rather than trying to, I guess, do something that we maybe certainly on Friday night didn't have the personnel to do so, which was try and open up Dunfermline by passing through them through the middle, which wasn't going to well, happen. The, the, there's different ways of width of getting width into a game, okay, to push your your opposition back. We've seen Josh Dunelli get to the byline. It's rare that we've seen many Hearts players over the last decade or so actually get to the byline and cut it back. I don't have a problem with that because that then brings in your smaller players, your boys, your Naismiths and your Craig Whiten, who's a reasonable size, but he's still not a giant. But if you're delivering from Kingsley and Smith, you're not asking them to get to the byline. Crosses in, you need someone to put it away. Now, Naismith isn't the tallest. Boyce isn't the tallest. Whiten isn't the tallest as well. So I, I, I don't know if... If a striker, I mean, look, if we get Josh Ginelli back, he's got, the, he's still got the same issue about crosses in. I mean, we can, he can get to the byline, which is something we don't really have, which is great. But if we don't have an opportunity to get to the byline, it's a quick first-time delivery in. We've got to have better in the middle. And we're going to be up against defenders that we wouldn't normally be up against in the, the top flight. Um, not as good, as consistent. Um, a lot of them won't be. I mean, look, Paul Watson, who played for Dunfermline. Um, Paul's played for many clubs. Paul is good friends with Christoph Berra. And I know this because my sister-in-law is good friends with Christoph Berra as well. So Paul was at the wedding um, in, in New York many years ago, along with Christoph and whatever. And, and Paul's probably happy playing at that level. He'd, he'd like to play a little bit higher, but he's a journeyman central defender that can have his days good from, from set pieces. And he's fine. He's probably a championship at best defender that, that may um, get an opportunity in the Premier League. But that's the kind of player you're going to be up against. You've got players that want to prove themselves. And any player that comes up against Hearts, any team that comes up against Hearts this season, is going to see it as an opportunity to be noticed. A lot of our games are going to be on TV, on BBC Scotland Channel. And it could be their option and their opportunity to, to move out of that division. So... It's an easy team talk for any manager playing Hearts this season to get their players fired up. And that's why I said it prior to the Arbroath game. The Dundee game at home took care of itself. The Arbroath game was the start of the season for me when it came to games that you really expected to win comfortably, but might not. So what are you going to need in return? You're going to need hunger. You're going to need enthusiasm. You're going to need energy. You're going to need legs because the opposition is going to have that. Do you? Okay, let's move on to Hart's uh, latest game. 
In the follow-up from the defeat to Infirm on Friday night, it was another evening game, this time on Tuesday night, which is last night at the time of recording. Um, Hearts against Aloha. And uh, before we get into it, we'll just have a quick listen back to the goals from that one. Certainly opening up some spaces, though. Here's Roberts, 25 yards out, goes for the shot, closed down, breaks back to Roberts. Now to Halliday on the angle, clips into the area, deflected. And at the back post, it's Michael Smith! And Hearts up and running nice and early. Michael Smith, less than five and a half minutes on the clock. Cross deflected in from Halliday. Halliday, and it spun kindly for Michael Smith. And the Northern Irish International just slides that home. No chance for Neil Parry. And just as he did against Dundee very early on here on the opening day of the championship season, Michael Smith gives Hearts the early advantage. Hearts and Midlothian 1, Alawa Athletic nil. Naismith again, 30 yards from goal. Boyce looks for the finish, ball into the box. Halliday makes finish, it on, brilliant. let's pass the goalkeeper. And that's what Hearts needed to do. Nice little interplay between the Jambos players. Flick through for Andy Halliday, who gets his second goal in Maroon. Outside of the left boot, just rolling it under the advancing goalkeeper, Neil Parry. And Hearts double that advantage, slightly against the run of play, it has to be said. 24th minute of play. Liam Boyce with the pass, Halliday onto it, slipped underneath the goalkeeper. It's back out to Kingsley on the right. Walker in the box, goes for the cutback, Haring, left foot shot! And it's 3-0, and it's Peter Haring who thumps that left-footed pass Neil Parry. Although I couldn't clear their lines, it came back at them, Walker with a low cutback. And from maybe 12 or 13 yards, Peter Haring opened up his left foot. And sent the ball flying past Parry. No chance for the Alawa goalkeeper. First of the season for Peter Haring. Heart of Midlothian 3. Alawa Athletic 0. So Heart of Midlothian 3. Alawa Athletic 0. Hearts building on their six wins in a row against Alawa since 1983. That's now seven in a row against Alawa. Five in the league. Two in the League Cup. Um, but, Mark Donaldson, have we ever lost competitively to them? Competitively, this is the debate. The debate I was having with Davy Allen. Oh, is this is this the Victory Cup? The Victory Cup, indeed. I I mentioned in commentary. I, I put it down as Hearts have one defeat, and then I gave it the context that it was the Victory Cup in 1946, which um, was a a competition to celebrate the end of World War Two. Hearts lost. A first leg game at Recreation Park 3-1 and then won the second leg 5-0 at Tynecastle. For me, not competitive. Um, what do no, you think? That, that, that's like saying the Festival Cup, the short-lived Festival Cup. Was it competitive? I suppose so, Hearts Hibs, but it was introduced. I mean, no, that doesn't go down for me as a Well, that's what game. I said, but you know, London Hearts, which is... Um, which is you know where I go for my my heart's historic stats. They do list it as competitive, which um I was trying how many to. Were in, how many were in the victory cup? There's the other thing as well. Um, oh, I don't know. Rangers beat Hibs in the final. And what was it? The um, what did, what was it? Davy said that there was a hundred thousand at the final. If Davy says it's probably true. Um, in 1946, here you go. A one-off Scottish football competition held in 1946 to celebrate the end of the world. War two. It is an unofficial competition in statistical terms, taking place at the end of the season, just before official competitions such 32 as the teams. Scottish Football League and Scottish Cup resumed. Hundred thousand at Hamden Park for the final. Well the war's just ended. People have been people have been hiding. <laughs> they wanted something to do, but the football's back. I mean I know there was there was wartime <laughs> football, but the, the 1946 Victory Cup is that is that what it's come down to? Is it, really? Is that I, where we are? It was just it, it was just when I, when I saw that there was one competitive defeat listed against Alloa, I was intrigued to find out what it was, and that's what was listed. And and Davy obviously said that they look they see it as like a second tier sort of level of competitiveness, not not your league league cup. Scottish Cup type of thing. Anyway, uh, you know, uh, let's not get caught up in it too much. I, um, it's it's the only defeat. So really, in official competitions, Alloa have never beaten Hearts, and um, thankfully that did not change 
last night. Uh, in terms of the team, um, four changes to the side that lost to the Pars. Uh, Popescu, Lee, Whiten and Freer dropped out. Uh, in came Christoph Berra, Peter Haring, Jamie Walker and Jordan Roberts and Hearts went with... Well, this one was listed as a 4-2-3-1, but again, you know, we talk about it changing quite a bit. And you could see Halliday moving into more advanced positions quite often in this one, which we will get to. But I suppose a big call in the starting eleven, which maybe was slightly unexpected, was Christoph Berra coming back in for his first league game for Hearts since Boxing Day last year. Uh, did that raise an eyebrow for you when you when you saw the news? Well, he was going to come back at some time, and he's going to need game time. I think this was a perfect game for him. I was slightly surprised. Popescu is someone I want to talk about as well, because you've seen every pretty much every minute of every game that's been mm-hmm. played this season. and uh, He's not a right-back. <laughs> well, we, we know he's not a right-back. Um, does he work? Has he, is he, has he been all right so far? Because I've seen... A few people, maybe it's based on a lot of St. Minnan fans saying, oh, we we would have taken him back. We enjoyed his time there. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, so we didn't get better and Popescu. We got better and Halkett, which I'm... If Berra's playing, I'd probably prefer him alongside Halkett than Popescu. Uh, definitely, yeah. I mean, <clears throat> hot and cold. I mean, on the whole, I wouldn't say I'd be, I was over, I've been overly concerned by Popescu. I thought he had a poor game against Dunfermline like many of the Hearts players did. And then in a lot of the other games where he's looked comfortable, um, has he really been overly tested given some of the opposition we're playing? He certainly, he, he does have a slight air of, you know, bomb scares maybe too strong a word, but that you will have a few mishaps from him over the course of a season. Um, you know, he wants to take the ball out at times and, and maybe try and play passes, which possibly is not going to be his forte on the whole when he's been dealing with you know direct balls crosses balls over the top I think he's looked fairly comfortable at the basics of being a centre-back if that's fair to say but um looked a bit off against Dunfermline so it's possibly why Berra was brought back in um before we get into the game I mean I mean Berra I saw some people criticizing him. I I don't think Berra did an awful lot wrong against Alawa. I know it's only Alawa Athletic, with all due respect to them. They weren't they weren't overly testing us in the final third. I didn't think No, he... it's not the Alawa team from nineteen forty six that no, the first no. leg at Recreation. Well the first Park. leg Alawa team from forty six, yeah. Yeah, that would have been very, very difficult. Um it... Christoph Berra knows what he's capable of and most importantly knows what he's not capable of. Um is that good enough for Hearts right now to start? No, it's it's not when everyone's fit. But I, I think what he brings to the squad is in terms of leadership and in, in terms of educating some of the others, especially in that position, um, I, I don't have an issue with, with, with him playing. He's not going to play in the cup final unless there's, there's injuries. But there's the other thing. If we do get hit by injuries um, and Halkett, which we really hope that doesn't happen, but... If he was to go down, we're still without John Souter. Mm-hmm. You don't want to have to bring someone in from the cold. Yeah. So I've got no issue whatsoever with game time for for Christoph and a home game against Alloa. I mean, no, c- come on. This, this is an opportunity for for Robbie to give game time to to squad players um, while maintaining the crux of of the team that he thinks is is good enough to get the three points. So is he is he the best centre half at the club? No, uh, he's he's not. Is he anywhere near what he used to be? No, he's not. But he's still a Hearts player. He's still a part of the squad. And I don't have an issue um, with him getting game time because if we do need to call upon him later on in the season, I don't want to pick him up having not played at all and then put him in because that's just going to be a, a, a an embarrassment for, for everybody. And I would feel sorry for him. That wouldn't be fair. Alawa also lined up with a, a 4-2-3-1. Um, and I have to mention uh, Gary Mulraney, who does the Maroon Report. You can find him on Twitter and uh, via a website. And um, I do like to go through my stats and my trivia and, and, and get as much info as I can ahead of a game. But one thing that sometimes isn't 
as easy to to get just by looking at that is a kind of idea of how an opposition team will play. So um, Gary does some very good analysis, and he has done some stuff on the scarves around the funnel website before. So I just thought I'd mention because he gave me some good info on what Alawa would be like in terms of their approach and. He told me they do like to press, and not all the time, but they will They will go for high press with certain triggers, and when the opposition goalkeeper has the ball, they'll maybe try and press the opposition to stop them playing out, and they, when they have the ball, they will try and play out from the back. Um, and Alawa were quite good in possession, but an early goal for Hearts maybe settled the nerves for the home side. Six minutes in, Halliday deflected cross, and there was Smith to knock it in. And we spoke about that, the full-backs looking strong. And I am very encouraged by seeing both Michael Smith and Stephen Kingsley getting in these positions. And perfect way to start the game. It kind of reminded you of the Dundee game a bit, didn't it? Settle those nerves with a nice early goal. Yeah. I thought we were excellent for um, chunks of that first half. Um, running off the ball is something that I was critical of Hearts last season. There was just a lack of movement. And it was all reaction rather than proaction for most of the time. And running off the ball, that's not to say you're going to get the ball, but just the goals that we scored in that first half, there was a period, a bit of a lull, which which I get. Could we have scored more? Yes, we could have done. Let's let's be blunt about this game, right? It's a mismatch because they, in essence, are a decent enough league one side playing in the championship and have done for the last four years or so. And we, in essence, are a premiership club playing in, in, in the championship as well. Now, it's our fault to an extent, that we are where we are. I know we were demoted, not relegated, but we weren't good enough up until the decision was taken to do that. So just because it's hearts against Alloa, you can't just show up like you think you can maybe show up at East End Park and get all three points. Play around them. Movement, ability, running off the ball. We've got players that are playing at a really high level. We've got Liam Boyce, who... Um, was what, an extra time away from qualifying for the Euros with, with Northern Ireland. Um, we've got Craig Gordon, who's going to be playing in the Euros next season, or certainly at the Euros in the Scotland squad as well. So the, the, the standard of player that, that we have is one thing. You better produce, you better perform. And I think we did for, for spells of the first half. So yeah, there, there was some, some good passing, some, some good moves and hearts were clinical. At points in that first half. 24 minutes, Halliday, who he'd fired over about nine minutes earlier on his right foot, made a nice run, got in the end of a good move, final ball from Boyce and a tidy finish. And you know, looking at Halliday, he did well. And I think it was not night and day, but it was much improved. I thought he was one of the players who I was disappointed with at East End Park, sitting deeper. Um, he was obviously moved forward, certainly a lot of points against Alawa and I thought that was quite effective yeah I loved the goal uh, it was a really really good ball in behind and a, a, a good run um, from him it's just players on the same wavelength and you got to remember when he joined Hearts he hadn't been training that much he'd been trying to keep himself fit of course but Robbie afterwards was talking about Peter Haring um, getting up to speed and still not there yet I think the same is, is the is the case with Andy Halliday. I just love that second goal. I thought they, they worked uh, Aloha's defence well. Um, they passed around them. Just a super goal. And, and I'd like to see more of that type of goal this season. And the third goal as well, which was 10 minutes later. Um, again, decent build-up. Hearts coming in from the right after Aloha couldn't quite clear their lines completely. And it was Jamie Walker who burst into the box and um, like you were mentioning before, players get to the byline, um, low cut back and a, a good finish from Peter Haring opening up his left boot and, and obviously driving that past the goalkeeper for his first goal and a mm. first goal of the season, I think first goal in almost two years, someone mentioned as well. Um, and again, it was just, it was very controlled. You know, It didn't feel like we were we were battering Alawa, but it was controlled and, and when we needed to be, it was clinical. Uh, and we showed a bit more guile and purpose for each of the three goals. We did. I think the last time Peter Haring scored was, was it not the Edinburgh derby um, against Hibernian when uh, Horgan scored a couple in April last year? So, more, is that right? 
he scored in that game and he's not scored since. Sounds about right. Yeah, sorry, I don't, yeah. I don't have it in front of me. That's fine. So, so it was 18 months. It was just, it's great to have him. Uh, it was a good goal, but there's another example of getting to the byline and, and getting it back. And that's what you can do. And I, I just, I, I can understand why the fruit was taken off the pedal in the second half. And it's, you see it so often. A team dominates in the first half. And I'm not putting this team anywhere near the same level as, as what we were talking about last week, no. uh, the Romanov team. Um, but that team did it. They were 3 0 up at half time in, in several games. And the final score was 3 0. It just happens so much, so much of the time. Once the final, uh, sorry, the halftime whistle comes, you know the game's won. It's a, it's a psychological thing. You just know you're not going to lose. So whether it's effort or whatever, look, it's, it's a job done. I mean, our, our job on a podcast is to analyze one or two games of, of the week, um, that, that we've just had. Uh, the, the second half wasn't very good, but the job was done. And it's very hard to lift your team, um, to get a similar performance in the second four, 45 minutes when you know the game's already won and, and it's a, you know you're that much better than the opposition. Tough one. Yeah. No, I get that. Um, I, I don't know, because I, I mean, we've all seen that type of scenario even when we had fans in the stadium. I don't know if that plays a part as well, though, because certainly being there, um, it does feel even more low-key in those type of situations, you know, not even like a friendly match. It barely feels like it's a football game going on, like in that second half. There was just it's the same. It's the same for everyone, though. Isn't yeah. It? I, oh no, I, I'm not saying it's a blame on Hearts or, weird... or Aloha no, no, particularly. No, 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 just overall, it's just different. Yeah, it's just different, and we've spoken about that before, Laurie. But why you but over here in, in sports, you, you sometimes get funny results, um, unexpected results. Is that to do with a lack of crowd? It's just different. You've just got to handle it because it's the same for everyone. Yeah, no, I agree with that. I mean, there was obviously one big moment in the second half. 70th minute, um, Boyce wins a penalty. Uh, nice pass from Halliday. And to be fair to Liam Boyce, it's a really good first touch that takes him forward into the box. It was going to be a, a good opportunity if, if he wasn't hacked down by Taggart, the uh, Alawa centre-back. Um, good Someone said that on Twitter, actually. Every time I said Taggart, they were waiting for me to say there's there's been a murder. Um, so, a spot kick chance for Liam Boyce. Poor penalty, first one. Um, pretty easy save by the goalkeeper. I thought during commentary, in the, when it first happened, that the goalkeeper had come off his line too much, which he actually looked like he did anyway. But I think he disallowed it for John Robertson, who had encroached and was then booked. Yes. Um Either way, he got a second shot at it, Liam Boyce, and it's another poor penalty, and I think it's one of those where, I think what he's done is he said, look, I've missed one, it was poor, this time I'm just smashing it down the middle, and he's just smashed it too much, and it's hit off the top of the bar, Um, but... Robbie says he's going to stick with him from spot kicks. Yeah, I like that. Um, I, like that. <laughs> I don't think well, the hips fans like this comment, but... <laughs> <laughs> I I like that because which other players do we have? Uh, Naismith has missed, I believe, has he not? Did he not miss his last one that he took for, for Hearts? Uh, I seem to remember. Um, I, I won't sit and look it up but I do I do remember I mean pretty much pretty much everyone misses penalties for us yeah and that's the thing that's the thing it's not it's not as bad as as our record at saving penalties which is absolutely atrocious but scoring penalties now the reason I like that is is because I think as I said about 20 minutes ago this is a a player that I don't know if he just needs a, a bit more confidence or whatever but I don't know what type of person he is. I don't know if he's a, a, a kind of a player who needs an arm around the shoulder or a player who reacts to a kick up the backside. I don't know. Uh, I know he's a goal scorer, and I know the more he gets, the better it is for Hearts. And if it means that his confidence is boosted by scoring from the spot, if you offered me one penalty, it's, uh, you offered anybody one penalty out of the three that he's taken against Hibs and two against Alawa, of course you're going to take the Hibs one. That's just a it's a silly thing to say. However. By by coming out and saying what he did, Robbie, um, I'd rather Boyce was taking it against Celtic in a cup final, if we were to get one, which is a big if, um, than than anybody else right now. Um, I, I'm I'm kind of racking my brains as I'm talking. 
Jamie Walker missed one at um, Bayview. A Bayview against Cowden Beath, yeah. Against Cowden Beath. Um, so it's not like anybody else has a God-given right to say, well, I, I should be taking that. Do you know what uh, someone suggested to me? It was, um, I think it was, um, I think it was Phil, who a guy, a chap I know, a friend of mine, Phil, who messaged and said, put Michael Smith on them because Michael Smith is one of the composed players in the team. Um, he's certainly shown he can finish and... If I remember rightly, he took a really good penalty when he stepped up in a shootout. Was it the season before last? If he wanted to, again, but I, I know we had like Robbie and, and Stephen Presley taking them in 06. So defenders taking. I mean, Presley was our penalty him. taker for a while. He was, and he took them very well. Um, I'm I'm fine with boys. I, I just we don't have a. We're not going to go and get Sean Clare again. He was probably the one that we had that you felt pretty confident that that he would score, <laughs> but. Do you know, with, with penalties, I suppose the thing with Boy, I mean, he, he obviously took his penalty very well, as Robbie said, at Hamden Park, when it really mattered against Hibs. I didn't think it was a particularly good penalty against Dundee. Um, I know it went in, and it was two poor penalties last night. For me, you know, if you're a professional footballer and you take your penalty and you put it in the corner with a decent amount of power and the keeper dives and manages to save it, okay maybe say unlucky keepers done well with that but it's when you're rolling it you know half a yard to one side of the goalkeeper and he's barely having to make a save or you're missing the target completely that that that's poor to me for someone who that's their that's their profession especially when you're a striker it's an art form isn't it that's why they should be i don't know i mean i don't know how much they practice but you know I mean? if, if you can pick up you've got if you can practice and pick a corner from 12 yards and you put a reasonable amount of power in it then surely you're giving yourself a very good chance. And if you know, if, if I watch a player take a penalty for us and he plays it in the corner with a decent amount of power and the keeper dives full stretch and tips it away, of course I'll be disappointed, but you can you can probably say, well, a degree of that is unlucky because the keeper's done really well. But it's when they're poor penalties, you know, pretty much straight at the keeper, easy save down to his left without moving too much, off the bar, not even off the underside of the bar, but top of the bar going over, that's missing the target. That... That's when, if you get a lot of those, that to me starts to get a concern about the actual, you know, whether it's mentality or technique, but something, that's poor. It is. I don't think we'll have too much of an issue going forward. We'll score our next penalty and it'll Hopefully. all be forgotten yeah. about. But yeah. there were there were two poor penalties. The, the first one doesn't count because... It, well, well, there were two things. No, it, it doesn't because... I know it doesn't count, the, but I mean, it wasn't... His penalty wouldn't have been any... The poor, the quality of the penalty wasn't the reason he got another shot at it. It was poor regardless well, of the fact he got another shot at it. The the referee has has just what looked like it looked like he'd indicated that there was encroachment and from um, I, I don't know if we ever saw a wider shot of it on. No, that's on the thing. I didn't. Team. That's why I thought at first it was the goalkeeper. I didn't get a. But um, well, it was both. Both both were punishable. Yeah. Whatever one he chose to punish, it doesn't matter because both were punishable. The goalkeeper was off his line. Um, the, the first penalty was probably better than the second penalty because he's just he's, he's just <laughs> he was a, going a, in. <laughs> I know it's just a Yahoo penalty that one, isn't it? I mean that's that was up among the flags behind the goals. So what do you do? You practice. It's as simple as that. And you give Craig Gordon some practice for trying to save penalties because he does his homework. It was interesting listening to him on our podcast when he was talking about um, the cup final in two thousand and six. And he said he, he knew for some what was going to happen, but others, it was hard to to get a, a kind of read on. Um, so I've got no problem if they want to spend an extra half hour after training a couple of times a week and practice on, on penalties, because who knows? We know that we're going to get another one at some time, and if Liam Boyce is still with us, he's going to take it. So get practicing. I don't think it's too difficult here. I'm not going to preview or give an extended preview of this weekend's game because it is the same team, albeit away from home at the Indo Drill Stadium in the in the Betfred Cup. Um, but quickly, Mark, looking ahead, do you think Robbie will change things much ahead of that game? Naismith on the plastic um, is an interesting yeah. one because I don't think it's any player's favourite surface, but... Um, 
I don't know if it'll be a game that he might he might tweak one or two things. I don't think he'll make wholesale changes. Um, I mean, what's our our next game after that? It's another week, isn't it? We don't have an, a game next midweek. Is that the case? Um, we are away to Greenock Morton the week after. Yeah, so it's a, it's a full week. It's, yes. There's no there's no midweek game next week. So yeah, there's no reason to no, rest anyone really. No, re- no reason to rest players. Uh, and, and I think we saw last night, and, and Robbie said it after, it'll be a different game in the way that they're at home, it's their surroundings, they know what it's like. A lot of these Hearts players won't have played there before. So, yeah, I, I wouldn't make too many changes. Um, but I, I don't know if Naismith... I'd maybe, I'd maybe leave Naismith out just because of the pitch and, and play Walker as a 10, if that's what we're going to do. If he's going to persist in a 4-2-3-1, Walker's best position is, is as a 10. Um, or maybe it might be a choice to to, to go three at the back um, and have two wing backs, but those three centre backs, one of them is is Peter Haring, and we can we can do that. I don't know. Boys to start. I we'll, yeah, I, I'm I'm starting him. Okay. I don't I don't see why we we keep him out of the team right now. I mean, he's if he needs goals to get his confidence up, he's got another chance to to do so in a in a game that will probably have a, a similar type style as last night mm-hmm. we'll have a lot of the ball um yeah just i think we'll i think we'll win by a couple okay um i'm a bit more apprehensive about it and i think Aloha will maybe get a little bit more of the ball than they did um at Tyne castle but hopefully we'll we'll edge it I'll, I'll take us edging it on saturday on a, a tricky surface it's not the worst draw we could have had i'll tell you that right now okay um, very quickly before the end of the show i just want to quickly talk about um about rare away days because you mentioned this to me earlier today mark about something we could touch upon because hearts will of course be traveling to clackman in shire to play it i'm just going to call it recreation park because the the indoor stadium doesn't really roll off the tongue very well a trip that we don't get very often you know just the the two of those in the last um 14 years or so since Obviously, that League Cup game that Yuho Makala earned his giant bonus for scoring a hat-trick in. Um, and it's just one of those um, trips. I guess one thing that strikes me thinking about that trip in particular is the, the railway line, of course, at the railway end of the ground. And you do occasionally get a, a big kind of freight train just going past, which I think one... I, I do remember one going past on one of our trips there, which was quite an interesting sight and quite unique. And we just want to put a quick question out there. We, it's not going to be homework for next week. We've got some tweets about it, so I'll, I'll go through some of these. And just those away days that are a bit different than what you normally get. Um, so Craig Cairns told us, we don't get trips to Europe very often these days. Those are pretty good, which, um, which is a good, you know, European football. What Almost be a generation of Hearts fans will start to um, be very unfamiliar with that, but... Hopefully we could do something about it. It'll be just our luck if we win the Cup on the 20th of December, the year that we actually won't get into Europe for, for winning it. Um, Dave McGee says, I used to enjoy Dunfermline away. Um, <laughs> you maybe, maybe wouldn't have enjoyed it on Friday night if you'd been able to go. But it says, once we, once we had a party bus loaded with booze, then to Liz's before the short walk to the ground, I recall how everyone was really friendly as well. It's one of those away games, actually. I've not done that very much because um, we hadn't played Dunfermline on a wholly regular basis in the last, what, 10 to 15 years because they had been in the lower leagues for a lot of it. Um, oh, I loved I loved trips to East End Park. They were great. I don't, I, I, yeah, I, it's not a trip that um, I've done an awful lot, but I have enjoyed it. I've maybe done it four or five times. And um, I do remember one of my, possibly before... Um, before the cup game a couple of seasons ago the last one i remember was when we lost in the league there i think larry kingston made his debut i remember going through to that one and there was i can't remember what the crowd was for hearts but there was a huge hearts um following there and remember scott wilson the former rangers defender i think he scored late on to win it yeah i remember that game um but not a decent trip is that the is it the elizabethan is that the pub he's referring to (laughs) don't know um, because like the trains, <laughs> yeah. which I never, I never really went to to a pub before a game. Oh, no, um, <laughs> because I started in radio young, so I, 
No. You, you definitely weren't I, of age when you I'm, did that report we heard a few weeks ago. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> no, I, I, honestly, I've led a sheltered life as a football fan because uh, yeah. a lot of the time I've had to be neutral and I haven't really been to to pubs. So I've heard of the Elizabethan. <laughs> I've um, heard of pubs. <laughs> <laughs> That's the best. Some of the best things about away days is the the way pubs. Um, and I miss them. I, I miss them. I, I remember because um, obviously I've I've known you for long enough now. But messaging you in the past when you were behind the goal and I was still doing Hearts TV or or whatever it was and wishing I was I was there. You 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 can't have. I do that. miss it for for you know I, I've said that before at home games. I don't feel like I miss out so much because I am there and it's Hearts fans around me and I feel part of it. But away games, like you say, when you're in the home, especially like Easter Road and stuff, when you when I'm at the back of the um, the main stand at Easter Road and I see Hearts score and you see their way in just just carnage bursting out right. of there and you know I do I really envy um, the fans in there. Albeit I get to noise up um, the, of course the they hospitality don't fear for the behind the goal. We do. Uh, we're in the main stand shouting loudly when Hearts scored. Now, the, the whole reason, Laurie, for bringing up this rare away day stories is because we've got back-to-back away days in venues that yeah, we don't true. get to very often. The Morton one. I've never been to um, Capolo. I've never been. Well, that's that's the thing. And you'll probably have to do it from Glasgow. I know um, I might not even get to go. <laughs> they'll probably not let you in. But that was the other reason, because I was looking back at the last time Hearts played there in a competitive game. We've played some friendlies there. Um, over the last 20 years or so. But we haven't played there in a competitive game since Boxing Day in 1987 oh, in a 0-0 draw at Capolo. Yeah, Crazy. Uh, we played, I remember a Scottish Cup tie um, that season um, when Sandy Clark and Gary Mackay scored. Um, and I, I did check London Hearts for that because I can't remember their goals. But Morton away, Allo away, back-to-back. It's just sad that Hearts fans and other football fans can't go right now. And I saw the the... the press release from the SPFL and our good friend Neil Doncaster on the back of all what's happened down in England where if you're in a lower band um, you can have up to X amount of fans in attendance so why can't Scottish clubs and Sturgeons put them back in his place and basically said look shut up Um, you you can't be taken in isolation it's so frustrating and watching that game last night, um, is all we can do is we we can we can think about um, what it's what it would have been like if it would have been frustrating, if they would have been booed off in the second half. I don't think so. It would have just been a kind of yeah, job done. I don't um, think even Hearts fan, fans could boo their team off after winning three 0 Well, well, I didn't think they could fly banners over Tynecastle saying the manager should go when he wasn't doing too badly. But that's another story. <laughs> Um, just just looking at the, the final episode of the BBC documentary and, and the, the closed door games, obviously you featured for the, the Partick Thistle commentary and and seeing the everybody spaced out, um, literally, not metaphorically. Um, it's just it's so sad right now that it is the way it is. At least we've yeah. got football. And I really hope in 2021 that Hearts fans and everybody else, um, even if it's a, a small number to begin with, which which becomes bigger and bigger as time goes on we need the fans back there because it's just not the same and the trips to why why don't you just i was going to say i've totally forgot that west of scotland's now level fours and why don't you just have a day out in greenock yeah that would go down hello sir uh sorry officer where are you going i'm just going to a pub in greenock because hearts up in there yeah just yeah it's it's not going to work there goodness me that's a shame quickly fire through some of these amaru so let's run mentioned trips to inverness um B&B at the Chieftains, a night at Cactus Jacks, um, misses a chance for rare away trips, uh, friendly trips as well, for likes of Gillingham and Millwall. Um, Graham Kay also mentioned a trip to the baseball ground, Derby's ground, pre-season. I remember that. Uh, oh yeah, we got chasing after that game. Chanting for Jim Jeffries, said it was That's scor- right, scorching he, that he, day. He'd just taken over the day before on the Friday, so he watched it from the stand, I believe. Uh, oh, we got we got chased. Afterwards, they didn't like us. Oh. Um, some of these, and, some of these games in England have ended and um, ended it being a bit, yeah. in it being a bit dicey. Yeah, but Hearts fans at times can be responsible for that because they're rascals. Like whoever it was, we were doing the commentary. Oh, Neil Harris is some t- rascals. Oh, I, I, of course, but there's rascal behaviour and there's there's oh, that's you're taking your life in your own hands there. I.e., commentating on Neil Harris's testimonial, Millwall against Hearts at the Den. 
in 2010 before I came over here. And then someone behind the goal in the top tier unfurled a fucking West Ham flag at Millwall. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> I mean, you're far enough away, but whew, that's the only place I've ever been to where the separate entrances and exits um, for home and away fans. And never the twain shall meet. Yeah, a West <laughs> I'm a not West surprised. Ham flag. Goodness gracious. But there's a there's a rare away trip. Steve Weddle says, um, a first a Euro- as a first European away trip, Vienna was pretty special. Some people mentioned the old beach end, Aberdeen. Um, that was cool. It was bloody freezing, though. If, still if freezing the up there back, as well. Huh? No, I know. But if you were near the back, they didn't have doors um, on the uh, on the exits. It was just like gaps. And if it was if the wind was whipping up off the North Sea, oh yeah, bugger, that was. JNL Curry19 also said um, when Aberdeen away trips took place with Musselburgh Hearts, just used to stop in Montrose on the way for a bevy, which is which always good when you've got these little stops. Um, Kenny Campbell mentioned Liverpool. Uh, we've also got Ross who mentioned Queen of the South last time, the Championship, the old terracing, which is true. It's a really I like those old style grounds. You know, you get them in the Championship, Capolo, Palmerston, Somerset. And uh, David Arbuthnot mentioned um, friendly in Dublin, July '98, with with Bohemians, which is another good trip. Um, so we've got quite a few of those in there. Um, Jam Tart also mentioned fond memories of the cup trip to Stranraer as well, travelling to yes. to the game from Aberdeen for for the, for him and a few other Hearts <sighs> fans. There, there's a trek. I know. Aberdeen yeah. to Stranraer. <laughs> but we've got quite a few. So for, so thanks for the tweets. Um, related to that, I mean, I think with away games, um, obviously we've all done them. I think it does have a slightly different feeling, doesn't it? Because you know, home games are wonderful for for many reasons, and also so many positives about Tyne Castle. But it's it is a a mass gathering. Um, it can feel maybe routine and safe. You know, all these different groups doing their usual thing. Um, but on the road, it's got that. Um, kind of pack mentality isn't it everyone's in it together lots traveling together on trains and buses they often congregate in the same pubs that you find you know it might be a pub that you're not familiar with or it's the same away pub that you go to and suddenly you all feel part of the same cause together even the people who aren't your friends they're just you're all hearts fans together walk around the corner see the flood floodlights or you even whether they're on or not that's how you can um, pinpoint where the ground is and as you get closer you, the fans start to gather more and more there's maybe a bit of to and and fro and um, between the fans a bit of goading and it, it just has that feeling that you're together there's it's a cause there's obviously tends to be more singing a bit more a bit more aggression about the away and, and obviously it can be negative but I mean in a good way um, that you're together and I think that is something that makes away day special for a lot of fans. Um, it's different than home games, and I'm, I'm sure even obviously you're saying you're not going to the pubs much, but you've been in away ends, and even when you're covering it for the media, you can still get that feeling. Even when I'm away from the Hearts fans, you know, I still feel like we're there, and it's more of a kind of, as I mentioned, but it's more of that siege mentality together at the ground rather than you all congregating and doing your usual routine at Tynecastle. Yeah, and, and the chance to go to Aloha and the chance to go to Morton is something that Hearts fans should be looking forward to doing over the next couple of weeks, but they don't have that opportunity right now. So hopefully it's not too long before they have that opportunity again. And at least there's uh, these games right now, these away games right now, there will be another away game because of the 27 games that we're playing yeah. um, between now and the end of the season. So hopefully by then, fans, at least some fans are allowed back in. So... It's just a shame. It's sad, but we can get through this and hopefully it's just around the corner. Fans can get back into football stadiums. That brings us just about to the end of this week's show. But before we go, we want to mention, um, Mark touched upon it briefly when we had Jules get on last week. But next week, we um, are delighted that Charlie Mann has agreed to join us for the show. So we will be um, talking about Mr. Vladimir Romanov once more. Uh, Charlie Mann, if you're not aware, um, a broadcaster and PR guru who was the spokesman, the PR spokesman for Vladimir Romanov um, for about two years, actually, until 2008 during his time at Hearts. So obviously was heavily involved 
behind the scenes and in front of the mic and in front of the camera for Hart. So I'm really looking forward to that, Mark. It should be a fascinating chat with, with Charlie. Yeah, and if you've got any questions for Charlie, anything you want to know about things that might not have reached the press, feel free to get in touch because we'll be putting them to him yes. next week, and I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, so you can tweet us at Around the Funnel on Twitter, or you can email podcast at scarvesaroundthefunnel.co.uk. Give us your questions um, for Charlie Mann, and we'll try to get through some of them when he is on the show, or obviously get in touch with us about anything else if you wish to as well. Um, until then, you know, thank you for tuning in. So we will talk about Hearts game against Aloha Part 2 very briefly next week. And then we'll have a chat with Charlie Mann. Uh, until then, hopefully enjoy the weekend game and Hearts can make it two wins from two and carry on this uh, almost 40-year winning streak against Aloha Athletic. it feel the same when she calls your name